Morning, everyone. I was a little, uh, little shocked when Ricky asked me if, uh, if I could preach for him. Um, obviously, Ricky wasn't here the last time I preached, so he may not have had the benefit of hearing me speak, so I'm, I'm sure that's why he offered me the job. Having said that, I appreciate the opportunity, and, and if you are given the opportunity to do something interesting, fun, uh, a little stretching for you, I highly recommend you take it. Take the opportunity to do that, because you come up with really compelling ideas and thoughts, like I had to come up with what I was going to think about today and, and, and present to you as a sermon. And so I came up with the topic of life after death. And fortunately, this is going to take a little different twist than what you may be thinking, but I was channeling my inner Ricky when I heard him last week speak about the last few days of Christ here on earth. And I had to think about what is it that impacts me as a Christian? What are the things that I am, am exposed to that I encounter throughout the day? And many of you may remember a country and Western song from a while back called Live Like You're Dying. And I, and I started thinking about that as Ricky was talking about his sermon last week. And I said, what does it mean really to live like you're dying? What is what are the things that go on in, in people's minds? How do you how do you honestly live like you're dying? And so I came up with a couple of thoughts here. First is, how would your life change if you knew you only had a few days or weeks left on this earth? It's it's kind of humbling to be in that spot. It's kind of interesting to kind of wrap your head around what it really means to only have a few more days left on earth because there's a song uh, many of you have heard on the radio. Uh, the lyrics go something like, we're only immortal for a little while. And that's true as teenagers, as young adults, we don't have a concept of what it means to die. It's like, it's something that's gonna happen far enough in the future that it's, it's isolated from us. We don't have to worry about it. But as we get older, as we start getting closer to this, this concept of what it means to no longer be here, things start sort of gelling in our mind about what it is we wanna do. What do I wanna accomplish? So as you're taking notes, I want you to jot down a few notes about what would it mean? How would, you, how would you live life differently if the doctor said, you only have a few weeks to live, get your, get your life in order and affair? Okay, so capture those thoughts. Now contrast that with this question. What if death didn't exist? What if death really, did, what if we didn't die? What if we couldn't die? What if we were immortal? How would you change what you're doing today? How would you do things differently? Obviously, you wouldn't have to worry about death or worry about preparing for things after death because that's no longer an option. It's no longer a worry. And so it suddenly makes you a very free and liberated person. You, you don't have those things in the back of your mind about, gee, I've got to take care of X and Y because I'm not going to have a tomorrow maybe. You have an infinite number of tomorrows. Think about that for a minute. Think about what you would do if you were freed from death, if you didn't have to worry about ever dying. The irony is, as you start to put these two questions in your mind at the same time, some of those results, some of those answers, some of the conclusions you come up with are going to look strangely similar. And that's what I want to focus on today, is as you start looking at what it means to be free from death and what it looks like to have life imminently cut short, and you only have a little bit of time left, the things that become important, the things that bubble up to the top in your life will probably be the same things. I say that because I, I, I like to listen to things. I like to, to take in a lot of stuff. And I was, uh, some of you may know, I, I was um, diagnosed with cancer a while back, uh, prostate cancer. 
which fortunately has a 90% survivability rate, and, and I think everything is going the way it's supposed to, the Lord willing, uh, I'll have this taken care of. But prostate cancer is decent or is different than pancreatic cancer. And Steve Jobs, uh, a guy that I, I like to listen to because he comes up with some interesting thoughts at, at times on technology and those kinds of things. Steve had a, a podcast or, or a speech that he gave at a graduation one time that was captured a podcast right after he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer has a very, very high mortality rate. Um, if you're diagnosed with it, you're probably not going to live more than about 18 months. And in fact, when they diagnosed him with it, the doctor told him, hey, Steve, you got about two months, get your, get your stuff in order, start getting things and, and think about what you're going to do. Steve had a little bit of time left because actually the cancer that he was diagnosed with could have been cured with surgery. He put it off a little too long and it ultimately ended his life. But, but Steve had enough time to actually think about life and come together and put his thoughts in a neat little sermon that he gave. And in Steve's speech, Steve's Buddhist, by the way, in case you didn't know Steve Jobs is Buddhist, but he hit everything that the gospel teaches us and that Christ talked about just as if Steve had read it himself and was actually quoting book, chapter, and verse. And I don't find that parallel to be in, incongruous at all. I think that God actually uses even people who are not true Christians to help proclaim the truth of who Christ is every day. Amen? You cannot look around and help but see Christ living in other people who may not be Christians themselves. They just don't know it. And that's one of the things that we're here to do, by the way is help other people understand that Christ is living in and around everyone around us. But Steve, when he was talking about things, he said, time is really important when you get that message. When you're told, these are your last days, he said, time just compressed. He suddenly became very aware that he had a very limited amount of time and he needed to do things, not for himself. Steve said that the, the thing that he focused on was others. Others became so much more important to him at that moment because he knew he wouldn't be around them very much longer. But the funny thing is, is that he also felt an incredible liberation. He felt like all the things that were pressing on him, the, the things that he might fail at, he suddenly realized it didn't matter. Win, lose, or draw, he needed to take the action that he felt compelled to do. So as we start kind of walking through those things in our minds, how do we start to look at ourselves in human terms and start to relate what's going on in our lives and how do we look at what Christ was doing on his final few days here I got to be honest with you when I look at Christ's life there's a lot of things that go on his parables his teachings the very things that he walked through are, are very hard for us to mimic because Christ taught at such a level and, and provided such insight and such wisdom and such love and such compassion that it exceeds the human ability to do, but not our understanding to know what we should be doing. And that's the, the beauty of Christ's lesson here on earth is it's not something we cannot do. It's something we can do, but it's so much more than what we want to do. And it's so much more than our human side, our human self, wants us to do that we have to find a way to channel christ in our lives and look for his strength and his wisdom and his guidance to be able to do things like he would have us do like we should be doing as christians and ironically 
It's this thought that drove Steve Jobs to write these thoughts down that's exactly what Christ wants us to be thinking about. Go back with me to the days of Christ when he's coming in. He's got the triumphal entry. Everybody's treating him like the king that he truly is. And then he comes in and he has this whole euphoria of the festival going on around him. And everything is happening and all of the stuff that's, that's going through Christ's mind as he's going through those things. But what are, the, what are the things that are pivotal in Christ's life at that time? Can you think about the things that were going on in Christ during those, those, those particular moments? We talk about them every day when we have, or every Sunday when we gather together, we talk about one of the things that was most important to Christ. That was the meal. Christ is in the middle of this festival, and yet he had the forethought to plan for a quiet meal with his friends, with his apostles, long before this festival ever happened. He says, go and find this gentleman. Follow him. I have a room prepared for us because there is something miraculous, something so important, so fundamental that not only do you need to know about it, but every Christian from here until time ends needs to know what I have in store for you. And Christ has a simple, quiet meal with his friends. Time ceases to exist for Christ. Even though he knows he's hours from his death on the cross, time stops. Christ pauses and has a chance to reflect on life with his friends. And he explains to them how things are going to happen. Self becomes less. Others become more. In that meal, at that time when Christ is about to tell everyone how life, how life should go forward, how to remember his life, Christ also sets aside his robe and he puts a towel around himself. And as we just read, he washes the feet of his apostles. Christ had so many things on his mind at that time. I can't imagine being under the anguish and the challenge and the knowledge that Christ had at that moment. Yet, he takes that moment and he pauses and he washes his disciples' feet and he teaches them, others are more important than yourself. That is how you serve in this kingdom. You don't serve yourself, you serve others. And as long as you work and you serve others, you are serving the master. You're doing God's will. One of the other things that God or Christ did while he was on earth during those last few hours, is he set aside some time to pray. I don't know about you, but my prayer life is always one of the things that I'm trying to move up in priority, but it always keeps getting pushed back because of other things that are competing with it. But with all the things that Christ has going on, all the challenges that Christ is faced with, all the sorrow and the, the, the betrayal that he knows he's about to receive, he sets aside time and he prays. And he prays like I have... I could only imagine myself praying. I, I could desire to be able to have that wholehearted, fully committed prayer like he has in Gethsemane. And in that prayer, he is praying about us. He's praying about the steps that he is about to take, the sacrifice that he knows he must make, but he understands that that sacrifice is there for us. As as we start looking at these things that are going on in Christ's life, we also look at Christ is looking at others first. The encouragement that he has for Peter, 
and the encouragement he has for the other apostles as he is getting them ready to conduct their mission. Their mission is our mission, church. Preach and let everyone know Christ is the answer. Christ has so many things that we can look forward to, but most importantly, Christ has the ability to eliminate death. I mentioned earlier the two questions. What would you do if you knew life was short, and what would you do if you knew you were immortal? Christ can bring those two answers together for us. Yes, our life on earth is not infinite, but yes, we have an immortal soul. There's something in each one of us that is not going to die. There's a part of us that will live forever. And there's a part of everyone on this planet that will live forever. The challenge is where will they spend that eternity? The challenge is where will we spend that eternity? Being able to reach out and touch others and let them know that there is this eternal part of themselves helps them understand that even though life on this planet is short, it's not hopeless. Even though life on this planet is short, there's a reason for having friends. There's a reason for drawing close to others. There's a reason for thinking about how things are going to happen. Again, we look back at Christ, and while he is on the cross, the things that he is going through, the things that are on his mind, are taking care of his mother and taking care of his family and friends. You can hear the anguish in his voice when he says, here is your mother. Take care of her. And you know exactly what he's saying. The thief on the cross who's next to him, Christ has this last moment to reach out to this thief on the cross and tell him, you're going to be okay. You will be with me in paradise. We together are going to die on this cross physically, but we will live eternally together. Those are the things that Christ had going on. How can we draw strength from what Christ was going through in his last minutes? Well, here's how we do that. We have to remember that Christ gave everything to us. Christ gave it all away. But of all the people on this planet who had something to lose, Christ had the most. Of all the people who on this planet had the reason to be boastful, Christ had more. Christ had so much to lose, yet he gave it away. In fact, the only way Satan could have won this fight was if Christ had refused the cross. As we look in Matthew chapter 8, we see again, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will just simply bow down and worship me. Christ said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. At that pronouncement, the devil finally left him and Satan was ministered by the angels because Christ knew his purpose, his mission here on earth, the thing that he had to do was accept the cross. Teaching us how to live, teaching us how to be better Christians, all of those things would have been completely lost if Christ had not gone to the cross. And the fact that God had this plan and, and God had this idea in mind already and Christ had accepted it is, again, something that we as mortals cannot express or cannot understand and have a hard time really grasping. But we, the immortal part of ourselves, can reach out and hold on to this truth that the way Christ won was to lose. The way Christ beat Satan was to accept this ugly thing called the cross. 
And that's encouraging. That's great news. Christ won. Now, how does it affect me? How do I take strength from that? How do I draw comfort from that? Well, the only way Christ would have lost was if he refused the cross. The only way we will lose is if we refuse Christ. If we hold to Christ, we win. Turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 22 through 24. Then Judas, not a Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Again, the apostles were kind of concerned. Hey, uh, you're just telling us this stuff. Why don't you show yourself to the world? Let everyone know how important you are, who you really are. But Jesus replies, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Notice, church, our home with them. Not we will ultimately have a home with God and Christ, but God and Christ will come home and live with us here on earth. God and Christ are with us. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words are you to hear are not my own, but they belong to the Father who sent me. If we love the Lord, if we love Christ, if we accept Christ as Christ accepted the cross, God and Christ are with us. And that's what these words mean. As we look towards this potential life after death, don't forget about the life you're living here today. Don't give up on the fact that our Lord is with us right here, right now. And he is with us. He is strengthening us. He is providing that comfort. He is helping us understand that everything that we do is leading towards that day, not of death, but of immortal life. And understanding that, that, that transition, that, that point where we say, you know, I can live today for God because God is living with me. That helps us put a mindset that there really isn't a thing called failure. There are things called setbacks, and that's really where we're at. And, and, and when Steve Jobs was thinking through things in his mind and trying to figure out what he needed to be doing with the limited time that he had, he finally realized, he finally got it. Hey, I, I don't have to worry about failure because there's not enough time for me to worry about failure. The only failure is when I don't try. The only failure is when I don't reach out and, and try to accomplish what the Lord has in mind for me. And church, there's nothing we can do as any Christian sitting here in the pews today. There is not one thing you can do. There's not a failure you can make that will separate you from the love of God. I'll say that again. There is nothing you can do that will separate you from the love of God. You can walk away from Christ. That's different. But if you hold tight to cross, if you hold tight to Christ, there is nothing that will happen to you. There's nothing you can do that will separate you from God's love. How do I know that? Well, fortunately, again, God is careful enough to tell us this in book, chapter, and verse. Romans 8, verses 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither demons nor angels, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as we start looking through life, as we start trying to put together all the bits and pieces, 
What does my life on earth here mean? How should I live my life? Understand first and foremost, God's here with us. God's here to help us through things that are challenging. There's not, there's not a mistake that any one of us can make. There's not a decision that will lead us left, right, or, or anywhere else, really, that will take us out of God's love. Now, there are things we will do and things we'll try to accomplish that will be challenging. Absolutely. There are challenges that will come our way. Yes. But there's nothing that we can do in this life that will take us outside of God's love. And so as we start finalizing these three ideas in our minds of what does it mean to, to have a short, limited life on earth and yet be immortal at the same time, we can take away these three things. Time, both here on earth, time is just this thing that's going to keep going. We don't know how much of it we have. Don't plan for a lot, but plan for enough. Amen? There's enough time here to do what God wants us to do. The next step is to understand that, that others are the reason we're here. Other people are looking for us. Other people want us to help. Other people need our guidance and need us to be able to, to show them the way, to, to help them understand that not only is this life short for us, but this, short is life, this life is short for them. But it's not a life without meaning. It's not a life that doesn't have hope. It's not a life that doesn't lead to something bigger and better. And that's the third point. There's nothing, there's not a mistake that we can do that takes us out of God's love, that takes us away from the one who loves us, that jeopardizes this mortal life that God has given us. Christ made sure of that. He didn't give up on the cross. We won't give up on Christ. And when you put those two together, this life is so rich. This life is so blessed because we have others to share it with, because we have others who need our help and who we can reach out and help. And I talked about this a little bit in our class this morning, in the high school class. But when you think about what it is that you can do and how we interact with others, the ability to forgive and let other things happen around us is such a huge, immeasurable thing. Because when we make mistakes, we want other people to forgive us. God has forgiven us of our mistakes. God has paid for those mistakes. And as long as we understand that we can be forgiven and we can share that forgiveness with others, we're walking in the final few days of Christ. We are living those few days that he was here on earth every day. And it doesn't matter whether I've got a week or 30 years left or however much time the Lord is going to bless me with here. As long as I wake up every day knowing this day is the single most important day of my life. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow I can't plan for. But this day, this is the day the Lord has given me. And I will live today as Christ would have me live. If you're listening to these words, understand that hope begins with hearing this message. Hope begins with understanding who God is and what his plan is for us. Hope begins with hearing the word.
Once you hear the word and you believe that you have a Savior who loves you enough that he was willing to go to this cross, that he was willing to take this death for us and, and take away our sins, your first step towards that new life is to repent of the past and confess that Christ is yours and you are his. Once you've done that, once you've confessed Christ, you can accept him as your Savior. You can accept his death for yours in baptism. And once you've done that, you can move forward with your life. Not just the life here on earth, but your immortal life. If you're a Christian, I hope these words have provided you a measure of comfort, a measure of strength, and a point of clarity on how Christ wants us to live. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't yet taken this step, this opportunity, please think about that. Please consider that the time on earth is fixed and that Christ does have a plan for you after this. Please consider the fact that we are here to help you. The church is here to help you, but most importantly, God is here to welcome you into his family. If you haven't taken him on in baptism, would you please do so as we stand and sing?